Hey, Monty, how you feeling? Are you broken in any way? Uh, I f- I, I'm hot. Does that count? It's very hot here. Have you broken out into a sweat, perhaps? Oh, and how? Is Monty truly the broken man? Find out in a moment. <gasps> Welcome back to the TV podcast, Game of Thrones, Season 6, Episode 7, The Broken Man. Dun, dun, dun. Who is the broken Ooh. man? What is the identity of the broken man? I suspect we'll find <laughs> out uh, in a moment. But first, uh, I'm Jason Snell, and let me tell you who's here to talk about Game of Thrones this week. It is um, Monty Ashley, as is often the case. Hi, Monty. Hi. I hope I'm not the broken man. Am I the broken man? I'll tell you later. Uh, and also here, a little bit uh, less often present, but present tonight, it's Erica Ensign. Hi. Hi. You know, I'm actually surprised that we haven't already found out who the broken man is in the uh, the TV podcast Cold Open, which we just had for the first time, right? <laughs> so, pre-credit sequence, big cold open. First time I remember that in a long time, although I'm sure uh, there's a listener out there because the, the trademark, stock and trade of this podcast now, by the way, is that the listeners know more about the show than the people who host it. Um, so, mm-hmm. I'm sure somebody's saying, well, actually, in, in season two, episode six, there was also a cold open. It's like, all right, fine, fine. But it was a surprise after the previously to not go straight into the theme song and instead we see ian mcshane yeah but and he's building a church Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I actually, Stephen and I were thinking that this might have been a flashback because everybody too. was smiling and happy yeah. and cheerful. I thought it was like oh. the founding of the of the first church of the seven or something like yeah. that way in the past. Mm-hmm. Can I just say that they have the worst blacksmith in the world? Yeah, that was pretty rotten. The very first shot is somebody taking a clearly cold knife, yeah. tapping mm-hmm. it a couple of times and then putting it in the water. Yeah, that's how it works, right? You just uh, you just hit it a couple times and get it wet, and then it's fine. As yeah, they're not very who, good. As somebody who has watched most of two seasons of a terrible reality show called Forged in Fire, I consider myself a blacksmith expert. Uh-huh. <laughs> and you were That's let not down. not how it works. Let, let, not, not how it works at all. Where's the um, gritty realism I was promised, Jason? So it, did, it, it turns out it's not a flashback, but instead it is sort of a hippie commune kind of place where, <laughs> yeah. where Ian, Ian McShane, who's got his... His uh, seven-pointed star medallion is setting up a church out in the out in the countryside. Um, but one of the people in his hippie commune is Gasp the oh. Hound, Sandor Clegane, last seen dying at the hands of Brienne and then being left by Arya like what two years ago? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I this is and and let me say it got me with this one because this was one of those characters I did not say oh well <laughs> he's probably not really dead I thought yeah he's probably dead yeah. that's probably the end of his story <laughs> nope turns out he's joined a road company of Godspell and doing <laughs> just fine <laughs> you know if you don't see the body they're they're not really dead and sometimes when you do see the body or something that you really expect to be the body they're still not dead still yeah. not dead so the, and mm-hmm. and as it turns out because we go back to this setting three more times after the credits roll uh, the primary through line of this episode the broken man who presumably is Sandor Clegane is the re-origining re-origin story of Sandor Clegane going back out into the world. What what an unexpected little uh, twist I thought. And not only that but going back out into the world possibly with a conscience and wanting to maybe fight for good it, that's certainly left open-ended but uh, but it, it was it was hammered home pretty hard that it is possible to leave that sort of life behind. I don't know what's going to actually happen. Yeah but he seemed like he was hungering for vengeance which is the exact mm. opposite of what Ian McShane was trying to tell him to do. Yeah. Well, I but think it could have been it could have been for 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 vengeance but also then to sort of go out into the world and use these skills that he has in order to protect <laughs> the people that he's wronged. I don't know. Maybe so I'm just got, protecting. So he got the axe just to provide everybody with firewood. Yeah. yeah he's going <laughs> uh-huh. he's going to uh, fill uh, ovens and and fireplaces throughout the awesome. land with wood. Coast I got the coast. wood here. I don't have the. I don't own the wood, but if you point me at a tree, I will cut it into firewood for you. <laughs> Did you notice who killed all the hippies? Who was it? 
Uh, they called themselves the Brotherhood, and they follow the Red right. God. Right. Mm-hmm. Although, isn't there? So we've seen the Brotherhood without banners, where they where they uh, resurrected. Uh, they resurrected the one guy, Thoros of Mir, and all of that. Although, yeah. I don't remember whether this is from the books or from the TV show, but there was also some discussion somewhere in the source material about the fact that there were also now just robbers and other thieves who also basically took on the, the called themselves the Brotherhood, but they were just <laughs> out true. there to, to be robbers. They did seem more like robbers than holy men. Yeah. But mm-hmm. Thoros didn't seem that holy either, really. Yeah, I don't know. Um, so, so I mean, basically in this in this scene, the, these series of scenes, it is all Ian McShane. Um, well, first there's the scene after the credits. I don't know if, what you guys thought of this. That is the, um, we get the how many men cut you down line, which he says only one was a woman. Um, which <laughs> is like, yeah, like Brian got you, it. she got you. Um, but, uh, but this scene is very much... Ian McShane recapping for Gregor Clegane a whole bunch of things he presumably already knows about. It's like, literally, he's just like, hey, Ian McShane's really great, so maybe people will ignore the fact that it is all just, as you know, hound. Let let me rush in with a correction there before the audience gets to it. This one is Sandor Clegane. Oh, sorry, Sandor Clegane. I said it earlier, yes. Easy now. His brother Gregor is is probably dead but also walking oh, around. Also walking around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, they yeah, have I, that in common, the Clegane boys. Hard to kill yeah. or uh, <laughs> stay killed, possibly. <laughs> you know, I had the same the same thought, as you know, Hound, because I was like, oh boy, here we go, information dump. <laughs> yep. And the way, that, the way that I managed to hand wave it away was that... Uh, that he's he's obviously been with them for a while because his wounds have healed and he's walking around. He's not limping or anything like that. And I, I my thought was that uh, Ian McShane is he's pretty good at being a septon. He he knows how to tend to his flock, so to speak. And he's realized that now this this is the point where he can finally actually start talking to him and maybe getting through to this guy. And before that, it would have would not have been worth trying. So this is the first time that he's actually had a real extended conversation with Sandor and. Is is that's why he's sort of recapping everything because right. he's kind of putting them in place, and then that's why the next several scenes that we see in the same place is basically him preaching to everybody, but it's clearly aimed at the hound. I can I can buy some of that also. I mean, he might have been in really bad shape, and and it's mm-hmm. it's his first time to really sort of like I don't even know what you know. Let's recap where we are. Yeah. You I know, mean, the I hound can sort was of see surprised. It. The hound was surprised that uh, Ian McShane knew who he was, so there was that revelation, right? But you know he's he's preaching the gospel here of uh, of being a good person and and you're right he's he he gives a whole like sermon that is is totally like I'm talking to everybody but I'm looking at you right <laughs> it's it's never too late to stop robbing and murdering people and start helping people um, which uh, which you know I I think in the end because of course in the in the final one of these four scenes uh, he's out chopping wood and he hears screams and by the time he gets back to camp literally every single person in camp has been murdered so he yeah. he he you know, bad timing I guess um, but so what we're left to take away from this is this is this. I feel like it's the it's the balance between Ian, what Ian McShane's doing is he's got this sort of pacifism. Um, violence is disease; you can't uh, you you can't cure it by spreading it to more people. He says, um, but at the same time, you know what did that get him? He got he he and everybody else got killed by these awful awful people. Presumably, the three riders came back uh, or and maybe brought more people. But whatever happened, something very bad happened, and they all died. So what the question is? What does the hound take from this whole little sojourn with Ian McShane? An axe. He has an axe. <laughs> Literally. That's good. That's I good. He's going to take the medallion too, but he just left it probably because it was going to be too much work to get it down off Ian McShane. Was it on him? I thought it was on, it was not on him when he was hanging. Oh, I honestly don't it might remember. Might not have been. That's valuable metal that can be melted Actually, down yeah, by the, the robbers. Yeah. yeah, maybe the robbers took it and when he hunts them down he will take that oh. and that will be his uh his little trophy and and m- memoriam to uh to Ian McShane. You know, I'm really glad that they did the cold open scene because and I think they probably felt like they had to because if they hadn't done that, we would have all seen Rory McCann's name in the credits and been like, "What?" Ah. So, I, I I suspect that that's why they did it and why it's such a rare thing and they still felt like they had to. Yeah. It was good. Uh, it was legitimately surprising for me. It was great seeing a nice happy person in this world 
Yes. Yeah. <laughs> just didn't fit. I was like, where is this land? I want yeah. I want scenes in this place every day. That's Not where the, so much anymore. Yeah, they're basically building the church in it's either Teletubbies land or <laughs> it's uh the Windows XP desktop. One of those. <laughs> one of those places is where they're building that church. But I, I did it looked familiar. I did I did wonder if the the three riders when they appear and and they're like, "Oh, we're, why are you here?" And they I, I was waiting for them to say, "Cuz the this is the Lord's land. Why are you on it?" <laughs> right? You're trespassing, yeah. but instead it was more like, "Nice uh frame of a church you got here. It'd be shame if anything happened to it." Um, but uh, uh good news, the frame of the church is fine. It's fine and everyone is dead. <laughs> the um the uh, yeah, I, I, Ian McShane was great. It, it was a lot of fun to to see him, and I, he he plays this interesting character. You, you, it's obvious he has this history. He talks about himself and terrible things that he did, um, and and how he's trying to change uh and and be a different person and then in the end after every everything is said and done we're left with the question but also i do feel like that this is his this ultimately was his purpose was to set to not just save the hound but to set him on a path where even though he may still be violent he's trying to be a better person which i you know i i think we saw his potential when he was with aria but he was so um I don't know, despondent about himself and life and the, his place in it. And maybe this sets him on a more positive path, although he was walking through the bodies of everybody he was hanging out with. So, And now he has an axe. So maybe not. <laughs> I would like to see him someday cut down his brother. I would think that that would be a very satisfying uh-huh. conclusion. Maybe not conclusion for his character, but I would, I would like to see him sort of conquer his personal demons that way, since it was his brother that held his face in the fire in the first place. Uh, I want to mention something. I'm going to leap to a, d- a different segment because we kind of hop around um, when we do this. Um, when we last saw him, he was with Arya, obviously. The Hound spent a lot of time with Arya. And then after he died, <laughs> or not, uh, she took her little uh, coin and went to a ship and said, take me to Bravos. I'm going to go to the Faceless Men. Um, and what that's interesting because in Arya gets one scene in this episode too, and she, as we saw last week, has basically washed out of Faceless Man School and <laughs> is gonna go home, and she's retrieved her stuff, and she's gonna she's gonna go back to Westeros. Um, and so I think that that was an, an a fun juxtaposition that she basically wants to go home uh, from where where she you know left. The Hound, just as the Hound reemerges into the story, too, um, which I think is interesting. I am also, I wanted to throw out there, very confused about the time sequence. I, I, I don't believe <laughs> yeah. all the time in this show syncs up, except when we meet people, uh, because sometimes you'll have, uh, you know, one episode, two characters will seem to go for two weeks, and another one, it's simultaneous. And I think they just, they're just not quite in sync. But here, like, she went across the sea and got all of her training and then washed out and wants to come home. And and the hound, like, woke up and started chopping wood in that same well, he, time? He, he could have been living with them for a, for quite a while. I, I guess. Mean, a guy that scary, people would probably still be scared of him many yeah. months down the road. I guess. Or maybe that blind fighting montage was in real time. Maybe so. Maybe so. Mm-hmm. It was just oh, very not- fast. I'm not even sure of the time sequence of the last two Arya episodes, because the last time we saw her, she was getting into her bunk at night with her sword by her side, cautiously turning out the light. And now she's just wandering around Bravos. Was that her bunk, though? See, I thought that she had gone someplace to hide because yeah. she knew they were going to be after her. Yeah, she well, was just hunkering down in a, in a, in a cave. She was hiding. Sort of. Yeah, I, I guess my main point is that she's not hiding anymore. She's hanging out on brightly lit bridges waiting for somebody to come stab her in the stomach. Yeah, that's true. That's mm-hmm. true. Maybe that's her just... She was. She seemed, She seemed. Uh, you know, she was saying goodbye to the city uh, a little bit, but obviously it was a bad thing. So what happens in the scene is she sees some people from Westeros. There's a little tidbit. Uh, one of the, one of the the guy from Westeros says to whoever he's talking to, the, you know, there's a whole Iron Fleet out in Slaver's Bay, which is great because that's that's uh, the Greyjoys, uh, that's Yara mm-hmm. and and uh, Theon, as yeah. far as I can tell. Who, um, so that's cool. 
that's cool. Uh, that's like a, just a little tidbit. Um, and then she wants passage home, uh, throws some bags of money and says, I want a fancy, you know, I want a, I want a cabin and all of that. And she's going to, she's back to being Arya Stark, essentially, and being able to throw some money around and tell people what to do. But she has that moment where she's got to advi- admire from a distance the back of the tall, uh, you know, <laughs> the tall guy statue. And that's when the old lady who's so obviously uh, her nemesis from the <laughs> House of Black and White comes up and yeah. stabby, stabby. Yeah, I feel like this? she just got cocky. I think she yeah. felt like she had made this decision and thrown away, uh, thrown over the house and she was able to stay safe for one whole night. Um, you know, <laughs> it, she was she was bedding down and, you know, guarding herself because she was sleeping. And then now she's she's already booked passage on a ship and she got the guy to, to leave earlier than he wanted to and she's just feeling good and and yeah she got cocky and she was very stupid to just turn and look and i mean she knows they could be anybody and yeah. she just yeah. she just looks and, she, and the look on her face is all expectant instead of suspicious was, yeah that was a little dumb but uh what i like about this scene is although that was dumb i like the fact that she doesn't die at least not right away. She goes <laughs> into the water. If they just killed her off. In yeah, that scene. I, I did have that moment of like, why did we watch this whole story if the answer is? And yep. then she's dead. Mm-hmm. But um, but I like it because she die. She sh- shows how resourceful she is. She jumps into the water. The the her nemesis from the House of Black and White is like, oh, she didn't come up. Ha ha. There's big blood uh, cloud in the water. I'm sure she's. I'm sure she's done for. And of course, she's not done for. Um, and she walks through the city. Uh, bleeding from her belly as people kind of give her a look like, hey, you don't look that good, but I don't want to talk to you. And that's the last we see of her in this episode. But she's not dead. She's just very, you know, she's just stabbed. <laughs> I, yeah, but I mean, and stabbed in the stomach, too. Like that's not good. Or in the gut. No, yeah. that's that's bad. But did she really have to walk down the busiest street in Bravos, making sure everyone could see her bleeding? That's, maybe she was hoping somebody would come to her aid. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I don't, I'm not. I'm not sure where she's heading. My only thought is maybe she's going to go look for the the troupe of performers where she saved that one lady and been like, "I saved your life. Please save mine." Okay. Not that an actress is going to sew her up, but who knows? Well, she's got money, so she True. could she could pay somebody to to uh, you know give her some medical attention or something. A healer. Unless she or dropped something. in the water. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. Ballast. I'm just concerned that word is going to get back that. She's not actually dead. Yeah. yeah. The wave gets mm-hmm. back and says, good news. I killed that girl. Yeah. I, it, I'm I'm not entirely convinced that we, uh, I, I kind of feel like we, we haven't seen the last of Jaquin Hagar and that there's going to be something because he, he, you know, he likes her even though she didn't become, she failed. And uh, it's not entirely possible, impossible that he would uh, sort of like help her a little bit on her way out. I, I don't know. I I, uh, I also am not. I was a little surprised that it went entirely this way because I started to think, what if she, um, what if she kills her nemesis and steals her, you know, whatever face she's wearing? Yeah, that would I be kind really of cool. Thing that would happen. Yeah. Well, there's still time. Yeah, that's true. She's, she's uh, not she's, out of Bravos yet. She's not. It's it's tough. I I feel bad. Lauren and I were talking about this that that uh, Bravos gets introduced every time with that cool coin bank effect in the mm-hmm. opening credits yeah. because of course that's where the Iron Bank is. Um, but every time we go to Bravos, we don't see the we don't see anything about money. It's only we uh, saw the not anymore. We saw the Iron Bank once. Well, yeah, Mark Gatiss was there saying, yep. "I'm a banker." Ho ho, look at me. But um, <laughs> but since then, it's all been you know washing dead bodies and stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, Bravo's Tourism Board, give me a call. We saw, we did see a little bit of money this time. Uh, you know, she threw well, sure. it on the bags, table, and we actually we saw money. coins. We saw mm, coins. That's true, coins. Okay, mm-hmm. good. You, that's that's she can put it in <laughs> a coin now? bank. She can put it in a coin bank. Yep. Um, maybe that's where she's going. Maybe before I die, I must use the pretty giant coin bank. Yeah. Yeah, we'll trade in all of these bags. You'll get one roll with the giant coin. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see what happens. Okay. All right. So Arya's in jeopardy. Um, let's go to King's Landing. How about that? Arya's in jeopardy. <laughs> yeah. Good reference. King's Landing, you say? Yes, King's that's where we're going. King's Landing. <laughs> King's Landing. So, uh, so our good our good pal Marge is there. Yay. Marjorie. She's hanging out, mm. talking to the spa- High Sparrow. She's reading mm. from uh, from the Holy Book. Um, I I. 
assume that you feel like I feel at the beginning of this episode. I, I for the last like after last week, I was very much like I don't I do not believe for a moment that Marjorie has had a uh, a dungeon cell conversion. She saw how low her brother was and realized she had to come up with a different plan, and her plan was to play along. And what I liked about this episode is that immediately the High Sparrow says the same thing. Because he says, you know, some sinners are really good at memorizing books, yet it's the illiterate uh, people who are actually know God. And that was, you know, I'm talking about you, Marjorie. He didn't say. (laughs) All my notes about her are, Marjorie acts penitent. She (laughs) continues to act like she is a sincere convert. Yeah. Well, they they did enough episodes of her just just playing this this game that I was honestly starting to wonder, like, did she actually turn like not in a way that I, I believed it, but in a way that I was maybe that I trusted the showrunners little enough that I thought that maybe they had done that and it didn't make any sense for her character. So I was very glad. Uh, I was very glad when the High Sparrow made that comment and then very glad uh, towards the end where she passes off a little piece of paper to yeah. her grandmother. Yeah, it was, that was a, that was a nice moment where where she goes to to Olena and uh, first I thought she was just giving her a really hard squeeze in the hand like listen to me, but <laughs> me she actually too. puts a crumpled up like piece of paper in there and that's the that's the 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 secret that they're you know she's she's always being followed around by the septa and and she doesn't want to uh any any time she might do something without the septa present she's going to be under the suspicion of the high sparrow so she has to find a way to send a message without letting on that about the you know to her about this part that she's playing uh, which I think is clever. Uh, also, let it let it not be said. I mean, this is like you know how people talk about the Pope, like our current current Pope, and they're like, oh, he's really cool. He's doing all these things that are are kind of classic and saying people should take care of the poor and making all these statements. And and uh, and people who are often critical of the Catholic Church think say nice things about the Pope. Uh, and and some very conservative Catholics are, are upset about things the Pope does. And then the Pope comes out and says, oh, yes, and by the way, all of these things that are, you know, and and you shouldn't use contraception and all these things that are still, he's you know, he's still the Pope, right? And I had that <laughs> moment with the High Sparrow where he's like, hey, you're not sleeping with Joffrey, or not Joffrey, with uh, who's your latest husband? Toman, right, him. <laughs> you're not sleeping with the king. Um, and and she's like, well, I, you know, I just don't have desire right now. And he says, oh, Congress doesn't require desire, dear. And, and, and Lauren was like, of the woman, hate. It just requires patience. Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah, and he specifically, he doesn't say Boo. that just to Congress in general. That's Congress doesn't require yeah. uh, that on the part of the woman. Like, he calls that yeah. out specifically. But we and need... You need to have an heir, so get I mean, to it. I mean, that is the purpose of a medieval royal marriage. Like. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but just enough. The holy, the holy man. Um, suddenly, I like this too because it's like the high sparrow. What's his game? You know all this. Like here, it's very clear. He's like he's where he wants to be now. He's got the king under his thumb, and he's concerned. He's like, you know, let's do it. Let's keep the royal line going. We got this going now. And now I, it's it's everything set up the way I want it to be, which is uh, weird and disquieting. And I I, I <laughs> hate know- him more now. And, you know, on Marjorie's part, that's actually a very nice touch that she hasn't gone back to bed with Tommen mm-hmm. because she's she's really playing this 100% of the time. doesn't matter where she is, if she's, you know, back in the Red Keep or whatever. She is she is sticking to her guns. Well, she doesn't want to be portrayed like as being that. a sinner, right? So in any way. Mm-hmm. So she's she's like, all right, well, I'll... I'll uh I'll I'll uh, not have sex with uh with Tommen either. We'll just keep it keep it cool. And since she got the message to Elena, Elena is now free to be as mean to Cersei as she wants to be, which is oh, the meanest which is, person in the world. Yeah. <laughs> All the meanness. She's so great. She is so mm-hmm. great. I wonder if you're the worst person I've ever met. At a certain age, it's hard to recall. Right, but the truly vile stand out, she says. <laughs> oh. Glorious. Just, Cersei's begging her, we, we need to ally here. My son, your granddaughter. Nope. <laughs> the Tyrells are very hard-hearted. It looks like uh, yeah. Marjorie is like a spy who has been, uh, I don't know. I don't know the spy term, but when you, like, disavow. They, she's been disavowed. Hmm. There the you Tyrells know. are, are going to back out and let Westeros fall where it may. Boy, Elena really lets Cersei have it. And she <laughs> totally deserves it. Um, you know, this is all because of you and your stupidity. And Cersei's so like, you're right, but we got to, <laughs> yep, yep, you, you got me. Touche, but we need to do something here. 
And uh, and Elena and and you keep thinking like, well, Elena's practical. And what I like about this scene is that we get to we've been seeing a lot of this through Cersei's eyes, and we get to see it through Elena's eyes, and we know that she's got that steely eyed gaze, right? Mm-hmm. And she's like, "You're screwed." That that I mean, bottom line, she's like, "Everybody hates you." Your son is now under the thumb of the High Septon, who you let in here. So you, you, um, you know, everybody hates you. Uh, you you've lost. It's the yeah. only joy I can find in this whole thing. <laughs> I'm leaving town. You should leave town, too. Yeah. You've lost the entire town. You don't even have Jamie. Yeah, get out of mm-hmm. here. It's be- and that's actually a pretty good argument. And uh-huh. I mean, I, I I don't see Cersei t- like taking her advice because Cersei, like, she always thinks that she's better at politics than she is because she's really not very good at politics. It's but true. she keeps trying and she keeps thinking that she can get the upper hand. And it just keeps not only does it not happen, she just keeps sinking lower and well, lower. Well, and she's never going to abandon her son, right? I mean, if there's one thing you yep. could say about Cersei that is an admirable quality, mm-hmm. it is that she she loves her children and is loyal to them. And so she's not going to abandon her son to the High Sparrow and to Marjorie. She's not going to do it. If Joffrey had had any sense, Cersei would be fine. She'd be queen regent. She'd be the hand of the king. Right. Doing everything she wanted. But but Joffrey was a monster. And yep. that was that. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I, I, King's Landing is headed for something something crazy something bad is gonna happen there really soon and then that'll be interesting interesting to see because you know all of this you could you could argue that all of this was engineered by cersei in a way right because she she ended up marrying robert but she engineered his death and she has his heirs but they're really not his they're hers with jamie she got exactly what she wanted which is robert out of the way and her children on the throne and it yep. and it has completely spun out of her control now fascinating so what now what now something bad is going to happen i don't know what it is but i i wager it will involve um the zombie mountain in I some hope so. way Mm-hmm. He's just been standing there. I know. He only killed that one guy who was inventing stand-up comedy. <laughs> yeah, which, know. you know, that's fair, but... <laughs> yeah. No, Comedy Central uh, King's Landing channel is never going to get on the air. It's never going to nope. happen. There's no more comedy in King's Landing. That's why people are so upset. I forget mm-hmm. if we made this joke last time, but that guy literally died against the brick wall. <laughs> against the brick mm-hmm. wall. We did. We did. Because oh, okay. I, I thought when he was oh, telling I the joke, it. I was like, it, again. I, I, it was, yeah, yeah. I, well, he makes that joke and I'm like, well, where's the brick wall? This is like a comedy routine. And then we see the brick wall yeah. because he's smashed against it. So it's like, <laughs> zing. It's, they really hated uh, 80s uh, stand-up comedy, I guess. 90s stand-up comedy. Um what else happens? I guess that's it for King's Landing. We're that's just it. we're just left there. Uh, boy, seriously, good luck. Uh, Lady Elena's leaving town. Uh, that was a, I, I like that. Marjorie's like you need to go. Right? Like, yeah, you need I, I like to go that now. Even, even her note to Elena was in code. Yeah, like if somebody catches it, that's just a drawing of a rose. Picture. You yeah, can't. That doesn't necessarily mean anything. Yeah, we like flowers in our house. It's a thing. Yeah. yeah. All right, let's go. Uh, let's go to the north. A lot of stuff happens in the north too. That's our other major <laughs> mm-hmm. thread. We get a lot of scenes with Jon Snow this, and company. I have this tagged as Jon's diplomacy tour. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's uh, right. Diplomacy in quotes. I hope <laughs> he's not so good as it turns out. No, but he's got people. He's got he's got people around him. Thank so, goodness. So uh, among the things we get here, we get uh, he needs to affirm with the Wildings that they're going to uh, that they're going to fight with him. And uh, I loved this scene. I legitimately loved this scene because of a couple a couple of the lines in it. I love that John's argument is very clear and cogent, and it works with the Wildings, which is you've seen what's out there. I need you with me to beat. The, these guys and then we need to beat all of them for you to survive because the only way that the people of the north are going to unite to fight the 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 um the dead and allow wildlings to be in the north is if i'm the one who's leading the way and it's a good argument it's a very good yeah. argument and it's buttressed by Tor- Tormund saying um hey he died for us <laughs> i go that's a good one good card to play <laughs> yeah. play that card and the giant has a line. Yeah. Snow. 
<laughs> a word. Yeah, I, I would have liked this scene, I think, except that I was so mad <laughs> during the whole thing. Because the, uh, the the point where I almost quit last year, uh, rage quit, was the hard home battle <clears throat> when they had that. When I was at first really excited because they had a woman who was one of the elders. And I was like, yeah, yeah. I want to be, you know, wildlings are cool because all you have to do is be tough. Yeah. Um, because, you know, we saw a couple of wildling women who were awesome. And then here we have not even one in the background. Nobody who's who's paying any attention there's there's just nothing and, and a reference line about you know women and children to, yep yeah most of your people here are, are women and children and i was just like oh you guys have totally backpedaled on the way you built wildlings up to be before so yeah. i was steaming a little given, bit given given that yeah i i feel like this is who they really are <laughs> in this world it's not i mean like this is this is the place where uh craster got to um, keep on impregnating his own daughters and handing over mm-hmm. his sons to the White Walkers, right? This is this seems yep. like a pretty awful, even north of the wall. They tell you that they're free folk up there, but it's not that. They're not that free. They're not, I think they're I think they're not. So, but I totally noticed that too. I thought, well, I, I had that same thought, which is, huh? It's all guys in charge of the wildlings again. I guess it was just that one, the one woman who who was uh, who died because she couldn't bear to kill zombie children. Which is to stupid. be fair, she deserved to die for that because that is stupid. <laughs> it was really dumb, really dumb. But uh, yeah, I, I noticed that too. Um, and I did like the the burn that Tormund gets in here, by the way, which is, hey, we when we say we will do something, we do it. <laughs> Jerks. Yeah, we're not clever. We're not like, clever like you people from the south. Yeah, I love that because you're a bunch <laughs> of liars. Um, that was yeah, that was really great. Um, and let's see what else they go to. They go Bear so the, Island. Bear Island is next. That's the new best character. scene in, in Bear Island. Hello, this is the best, the best, the best, the best. I loved it so much. <laughs> the rest of this podcast just talking about how great Lady Liana Mormont is and yep. why she should have the Iron Throne. Go. So the, Mor- the Mormonts <laughs> you may know because the old Lord Commander um, was a Mormont. She's the young girl, Lady Lady Mormont's uncle, and of course Jora, who is dying of. Uh, of uh, uh, grayscale far, far away is also in this family. So, um, but this is now all they've got left after various horrible things in the North is a 10 or 11 year old girl who is, who is in charge, which in the little post show thing that they, that they run on HBO go, um, there is a reference like last year, I think, or two years ago to the fact that there's a, a 10 year old girl in charge of house Mormon. And, uh, here she is. And, uh, she's, uh, really sharp and, uh, and is (laughs) deeply skeptical of everything John and, uh, and, uh, Sansa tried to sell to her. She's so great. She listens to her advisors, knows when not to take their advice, yeah. doesn't put up with a lot of stupid <laughs> small talk. Where she waves the meister away and she's like, but, 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 yeah. but I don't want to hear any more of your, your oh. chain nonsense. Back off, chain boy. That was great. Yeah, the fact that that fully half of the important speaking roles in this scene were women Mm -hmm. did make up a little bit for that previous scene. However, the fact that it's a little bit gimmicky, like, okay, the only female character that we get that is that makes sense and is is really, truly cool is like the 12 year old girl who we're we're not going to see anywhere else, I'm afraid. Yeah, probably not. But I I, I like she has more sense than to go on the fight herself. Yeah, she's a good leader. I just I love that whole I love her interaction with okay so she, she the Onion Knights is who who steps up here and it's hard not to look at the scene and not remember his mm-hmm. history with Stannis's daughter right mm-hmm. he has had a a touching relationship with a a, a girl before um, and he makes he makes a good case here where John and Sansa totally fail which is you know I've I've been where you are I, you know I didn't expect to be here um I find myself addressing a lady of a great house so he butters her up a little bit but um he he gets down to it and says the dead are coming make no mistake yeah. it's absolutely true and she's like all right you can have my 62 guys that was one of the funniest parts of the whole episode. It's like, how many men can we expect? And she says, 62. And I just she, busted out laughing. She has the answer. Also, mm-hmm. this scene was important because it clarified houses for me, where Sansa says, I'm still a Stark. I know technically I was married to a Bolton. That doesn't count. Right. Mm-hmm. And and also, our our brother is being held hostage so there's also oh, yeah. at least one male stark who's not a not a bastard snow and and not a married off 
daughter who's there mm-hmm. too. So there's Starks around. They're around. I mean, this whole thing is like they're trying to create something on it's on faith. It's almost like a con job uh, where they're they're like, well, we got a few people. But we need a lot of these people like they might come if they felt like there was a chance that there would be a victory, but you can't get anybody to join to give people that feeling. So it's like, how do you how do you get the ball rolling? And they're trying to get the ball rolling. So it's 62 men and they have that initial reaction of like, uh, 62 men. And then it's like, no, 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 it's fine. Thank you. Yes. Uh, you know, it's, yeah. it's all it's all going to accumulate here. We're all going to we're all going to make it happen. And so but the other part of the flim flam that's going on is this sales job of there's totally a house Stark. They're totally coming back. Mm. You just got to believe in us. We're going to take back Winterfell and it's going to be fine. <laughs> and you see when they go to Lord Glover that he's like, how Stark is dead, right? Forget it. Yeah. Even though there's like two or three of you, that doesn't make you a great house anymore. Right. You need our help just to have Winterfell again. That's right. Although I liked... I liked Sansa kind of snapping at Lord Glover, um, even though it's very clear from John's look that he knows what's going to come and it's not going to be helpful. I liked it because I'm sitting there thinking, this is the part where once the tide starts to turn, you realize you need to send men because uh otherwise you are not going to be house glover for very long <laughs> right i mean it's like just just a reminder that you're pledged to the starks and if you don't come through you know you're going to be in trouble here i i i appreciated that she said it even though it was impolitic and they they knew it was just going to set him off i thought that was going to no- did you notice who played lord glover tim McInerney. tim McInerney from blackadder and also yep. eric the viking oh I was excited by that. I was I was having a little trouble taking him seriously as a you know as, yeah. like he's this big strong this big strong warlord guy, and I just wanted to giggle in his face. So he he did a good job though. I mean he 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 rose above it, but I I didn't take him entirely seriously, and I honestly wonder if if Sansa actually did know what her little snapping was going to bring. I think maybe she's she may be naive enough that she thought that just I mean because remember she was the one back up at uh, Castle Black who was saying that the Stark name is is. So so important everybody's going to mm-hmm. rally around it don't you know and i think that this was her trying to to make that happen and it really really didn't work yeah a little cold water in her whole, fe- whole feeling about how the stark name is going to be uh, accepted everywhere she still mm-hmm. hasn't completely learned that the romances she learned as a little girl are not how this world works yeah, although yep. I think that I think that attitude has a part to play perhaps down the road oh. it will have a part to play in terms of uh of uh uh, getting, like I said, getting people to believe that uh, that the Starks are back and around, but it's sort of too early for that now because they really don't yeah. have have enough. They've got a wheelbarrow and a Holocaust cloak and sixty two <laughs> Mormons, but that's about it right now. Um, so their last stop, the last stop on the John Snow Goodwill tour of the North, <laughs> is Stannis's old camp. Hey, what could go wrong? <laughs> hey guys. <laughs> Well, there's some tents here. I wonder who was using them. Oh well, um, they uh, they need more men. And this is a scene where they're talking about this, and they point out that Stannis stayed here, and isn't that great? Except that there's going to be another snowstorm, and that's gonna. It's a great place as long as it doesn't snow. Well, it's in the north. That's bad. Um, but the whole time, aren't all of us just being like? Sansa, you got to get Littlefinger. You got to yep. go back to Littlefinger. I know you don't want to do it. And then she sees the ravens with the Meister and the ravens in the cages. And I'm like, you got to do it. The ravens are <laughs> you. You got you to gotta do what she does, which is you got to write a letter to Littlefinger and say, yep. we need your army. And you got to swallow your pride factor. and your hatred <laughs> and realize that you got to deal him in because the only way you're going to win this is if you deal in the guy you despise and don't trust him. Littlefinger's at the hotel. He's checking his email. Like <laughs> he's pulling down on the email. Like, come on, come refresh, on, refresh, refresh. That's right. Refresh. Any ravens? Any ravens? Any ravens? Mm-hmm. Any ravens? <laughs> you know the shot with the uh, where uh, where Sansa sees the ravens. I for a second I thought that I saw um, uh, Lyanna Mormont standing there, like near the maester, and I was like, that's not right, is it? She wouldn't have left her home. Oh. Right. Okay, so it must have been just been some other young person that I, and I just had. I just wanted to see her everywhere I looked, so yes. I think I was conjuring her in every scene. Um. Oh, and nifty uh, seal for for uh, the wax, the direwolf oh, yeah. seal. 
Mm-hmm. Just, I just like and she that. did sign it uh, Sansa Stark, so she's certainly not keeping the Bolton name. No, oh, no, I think we can. I think she's got a really strong case for an annulment there. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. Annulled on account of he was a monster. Um, okay, we got a couple other segments here. So uh, we've got at River Run. We've got uh, we've got the uh, the Lannisters are marching on River Run. We've got Jamie Lannister. He's been sent out of King's Landing, so he's out in the field. He's been sent to go take back River Run from the Tullys, who were supposed to own it, but they were they they gave it to the Freys after the Red Wedding. The Lannisters did, um, and we get Bronn. Bronn is back. Yeah. <laughs> and everything he says is hilarious and awesome. Yes, I agree. Standard. I agree. The uh, the the moment where where uh, Jamie says a Lannister always pays, and it's like don't say it, <laughs> don't say it. You know, yeah. I know you'll pay me Tuesday. I get it, right? Mm-hmm. And he and he says, you said I would get a castle and a lordly title yeah. and a beautiful wife, and he's like, yeah, you'll you'll get all that. Yeah, yeah, sure. You, you know what? The Lannisters do basically have the same family motto as Wimpy. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> they totally do. That's true. The Lannisters always pay their debts on Tuesdays. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um but uh Braun, yeah, he's he's great. And and Jamie one of the great things about Jamie and his relationships that he's had outside his family. I, I mean, it, god, he, he would be a much better person if he was not around so many Lannisters, right? I mean, yeah. when, yep. or when he's around Brienne, he's a better person. When he's around Braun, he's a better person. He gets a little he bit was, bigger picture about the world. He was fine when he was around Caitlyn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so he says here, and I think it's really great, and and it's not what an arrogant Lannister would say, which is to Braun, he's like, "You are a way better fighter and tactician than these than these doofuses in the <laughs> Lannister army, essentially." And it's like that's not very nice about the Lannister army, but he's not wrong. I mean, based on what we see of the Frey army, it can't possibly be wrong. <laughs> it's the you mean the army led by Dumb and Dumber? Oh, I did. I, I mean, the Freys in the books and in the TV show are consistently portrayed as being um, kind of jerks and idiots. They're not very good at anything. <laughs> They're inbred. Walder Frey, you know, just keeps on having kids. He names them all after himself. But they, but they're important, and you have to pay homage to them because they're proud and because they control the narrow part of the continent. So they, they, they have a, a, a very important bit of land that they control, even though they're terrible people, and everybody thinks they're terrible people. And Jamie here is happy to tell them all that they are stupid and they should shut up and he's in charge now which is wonderful because they do the great thing you know how many times in game of thrones have we seen people threaten a hostage and then kill them and here they're like no no no, we're really we're totally they've got it they've got edmure strung up like they're gonna hang him and then when they when the guy says you know forget it they're like okay we'll take him out and i'll cut his throat it's like but you just had him like you come on man you built a gallows for this purpose (laughs) Mm -hmm. and i i think the blackfish might ha- might not remember who Edmure Tully is. <laughs> yeah, you know, he vaguely He's not remembers a nephew. All. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was just sloppy hostage work. <laughs> the phrase it really was. The, the phrase are, are the worst. They're the worst. Mm-hmm. I, I can't wait for them to get their comeuppance. I think it's yeah. going to come soon. But but um, and Jamie gets in a good line here, which is now the Blackfish will see an army, not whatever this is. Yeah. <laughs> Jamie is basically the FBI agent at this point. Oh yeah. Who comes mm-hmm. in and tells the local police, "We're taking over. I'm in charge here." Yeah. Yeah. Get get, get your yokels out of the out of the way. Is that idiot pouring coffee on a dead body? Move, move, move. The I, professionals are here. I like his moment where he's like, uh yeah, I just brought 8,000 guys right up to you without you even noticing, so it's good that we're friends. You know, it's just so great. But he does demand a parlay with the Blackfish. He wants to talk to the Blackfish. And there's a cool, they got a cool, like, the back door is a drawbridge or something like that they go yeah. to. And uh, they got the guys with the arrows, and they're making sure it's all cool. And they on the drawbridge, Jamie talks to the Blackfish. And this was a great callback, because he says... Um, are, you know, I'm going to hold you to your word to my sister, to Catelyn, which is uh, t- that he would take care of Sansa and Arya. So he's like, where are they? And he's like, yeah, you got me. I don't I don't know yeah. where they are. 
Um, Would you but like that's to resume your captivity. But that's no. If Brienne, <laughs> if Brienne were, for example, to be also riding toward River Run, <laughs> which she is. <gasps> um, that would be a good thing to remind us of that that Jamie, yeah. uh, Jamie and Brienne have that kind of pledge in common. Um, and uh, I like the blackfish here. He says, you know, as long as I'm standing, this war isn't over. I got two years worth of supplies, uh, or you can try to take us on. In which case, you you have to kill my hundreds of guys, but we're going to kill thousands of your guys. Um, I thought that was really good. And then he says, I just wanted to get the measure of you. I'm disappointed, and then yeah. goes back inside. Right. So great. So great. Take oh, that, he, Jamie. He had to like that Jamie didn't even bring up Edmure. Like, yeah. Well, <laughs> mm-hmm. he, he clearly learned this is not a useful hostage. Yeah. Well, and he's appalled. I think he's appalled about how he was used, too, because there's that yeah. earlier scene where he's like, you know, you, you got to clean him up, take better well, care of a, him. As a former prisoner of war himself, I'm mm-hmm. sure Jamie has strong opinions on how hostages should be treated. Sure. Oh, yeah, definitely. Also, Jamie does a, 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 a backhand punch on. Uh, on on one the of the hand. one of the phrases, yeah, and that's got it. Yeah. I had to hurt. That's his metal hand. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> so just you know, not a lot of Jamie here, but it's great Jamie, right? Because it's like he even we can we can argue about like he's he's in the wrong here from I think our perspective of who we're rooting for here, um, because they're trying to rally uh, these guys to go to the north and help out with uh, with taking back the north and all of the things that Jon Snow is doing. And uh, this is a, also an interesting case where about where we're, we're about to have the politics of Jon Snow and the Night's Watch in the north collide again for the first time in quite a while really with the Lannisters Jamie's on the wrong side here in that way but um, I'm not entirely sure that he won't be convinced to do the right thing um, but I think what's really interesting here is that he's um, we see how competent he is right even though he's mm-hmm. not fighting with a sword because he got his his hand cut off we see he's way more competent than a lot of these people and I like to see that from Jamie yeah he also has the most modern haircut of anybody on this whole show <laughs> I, I noticed that this time for some reason that it's just it looks like a serious stylist has been at work at that thing. So I don't know if Braun is just handy with the scissors or what, but... Well, there's a good. whole, like, stylist yeah. uh, tent back, and the Lannister army is really fully <laughs> well-equipped. Much better than the Freys, who every, all the Freys look like they're wearing clothes that are so dirty they've all just turned black, and mm-hmm. that they're... You, you get the sense that they probably smell really bad, um, whereas and the Lannisters are shiny... Here, Whatever headgear they have is like it's I don't know this weird greasy netting at the bottom of it you can't even tell what it's made out of or what yeah. it was made out of and now it's just hair grease it's just disgusting. No. But the Lannisters travel who, well. I'll tell you who could really use a good hairstylist is Sandor Clegane. <laughs> yeah. Yes, because he seems self conscious about his burns, and I think with the right hairstyle he could cover up a lot of that. Mm-hmm. I think you're right. He's, he needs some product to sort of keep it in place. Mm. They grow it a little longer down the down the mm-hmm. one side at least. Give it like a you know a, a Veronica Lake you know swoop it to to yeah. that side. Just cover it all up. Yeah, a little asymmetry. I have the same opinion about Frankenstein's monster on Penny Dreadful, by the way. Okay, little side note. Noted. There's a guy who has the same thing, and he combs all of his hair away from the scars, and then whines about having scars. Yeah, come on, man, cover <laughs> it up. Some effort into it. Okay, we have one last scene, which is, where in the world are Yara and Theon? And the so, answer is, uh, I guess maybe somewhere, Slaver's Bay or elsewhere, they, they have traveled in their fast ships, and they're having a party because then they're going to sail off to Marine to visit with Daenerys and try to get her to use their ships to go back to Westeros. That seems to be the plan. I can, I can tell you where the Wikipedia page says they are. What does the Wikipedia page say there? It says they are in Volantis, um, okay. which is in Essos. So, yeah, near yeah. Slaver's Bay. Now, Erica, this scene has a woman in charge, so I assume you found it uh, all acceptable? Uh, actually, I did. I thought this okay. was fantastic. <laughs> I love that we got some girl-on-girl action that was not, like, gratuitously for yeah. the camera. Well, it was for the camera, but it wasn't gratuitously for the the men, the other men in the scene. This was all about Yara and Yara's pleasure and what she wanted. Yeah. And I was like, you go, girl. <laughs> Yep, I like I liked it because of the way it was timed. Because when we started, it's like, oh, here's those Ironborn again, and oh, we're back to the boob shots. Okay, there's yep. girls, and we see their boobs, and they're having a party. This is a scene we've seen in Game of Thrones before. These are women who are there to pleasure men, and mm-hmm. then we get to see Yara 
who is who is also taking pleasure in the topless women. And I liked mm-hmm. that sequence because it's a nice little reverse where you're like, aha, they're there. Those women are there for the pleasure of anybody. Yeah. <laughs> anybody funny. except Theon. Well, I Theon could also be the titular broken man. Yeah, my my note oh. here is, you're right. You're right. He absolutely could. Um, my Well, Jamie could be too, right? Oh, yeah. Um, Jamie's doing better man. than Theon or Sandor. That's, that's true, but he's still he's still kind of learning to do things without his sword, and instead like hit people with a metal hand. Uh, my note here is, it's awfully sporting of Yara to say that she'll stop joking about the fact that Theon <laughs> has had his genitals chopped off. That's how nice of you to say. Well, I should probably not joke about yeah. that. Yeah, you shouldn't joke about that. <laughs> but I would but never somebody- do anything to hurt you. <laughs> having said that iron- <laughs> hey everybody here is having sex how about you oh sorry yeah <laughs> i feel like for someone from the iron islands that is actually kind of a a big deal for her to to agree not to joke about something like that i mean that that seems like the kind of thing that the folks from the iron islands would be all over as as far as that goes so like you know she really cares about her brother i mean i thought that performance was was extra nice uh, at the end when you oh yeah the extra the, like, the close-ups of their faces yeah. really close together and she just you know she she wants so badly for her brother back uh-huh. even though he was kind of a dick but uh-huh. anyway <laughs> pun <laughs> not intended but i wish it had been uh-huh. unfortunately um, her way of interacting with him is basically a frat boy she yep. makes fun of his genitals makes out with a stripper and then tells him to chug. Yeah. This, this is true. <laughs> totally. This is true, but I like I like that um I love this scene. Um mm-hmm. uh, and and not for the first part with the with the boobs <laughs> and all that, but I love the scene between Yara and Theon because we've seen her loyalty to him before. Um Theon's told this story in the books. It's actually my favorite thing in the last uh you know so far published book is his arc of kind of coming back from being completely destroyed as a person. And we're seeing it continue here in the show where you know she's trying to bring him back. He's he's completely been destroyed. And I do think there's a double meaning there when she says drink the ale Theon. I think part of that is about appearances. It's like you need to not be apart from us as Iron Islanders. You need to be part of the party here or you will never be accepted. So I, she doesn't say that, but I feel like that has to be part of the story here. You got to drink the ale. You got to be part of the, 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 the war party here. But then she goes on to say, I need you back. And, and she, you know, I really love, I think it's kind of a beautiful thing when she says, look, if you can't live, then kill yourself. Otherwise, be be my brother again. But don't do this. Don't be in the middle of this and be self pitying and useless to any to anybody. Choose what you want to do. Do you want to live or not? And it's tough, and that's rough stuff. But um, I mean, I, I I liked. I thought that was a powerful scene. And when he turns to look at her, it is like a different guy. Yeah. Yep. I hope it lasts because I yeah. was getting a little sick of that uh, <laughs> that broken reek character. I, I agree. Well. He's had a bad time, but mm-hmm. I want to see over it. I want to see redeemed Theon, right? Like supporting his sister and being valuable because he was he's smart. He knows the Starks, which could come into play. It'd be very important down the road. Um, and he, if he's headed truly headed to Marine, he's going to meet a bunch of people who have dealt very well with the fact that they no longer have all their parts. Because because we got true. Varys there, we got Grey Worm there. They can give him some tips. Really, all yeah. the unsullied. He could he could hang out at one of their frat parties yeah. and really fit in. Exactly. So oh, I can't wait for a scene where he whines and Varys just looks at him. <laughs> <laughs> I I uh, but okay. So let's 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 back up and and just look at the big picture here. Boy, they are moving things around fast, aren't they? Mm-hmm. They're but they all seem to be sort of going towards the same thing for once which i Mm -hmm. really appreciate like i feel like we're in danger of having an entire episode set at one castle (laughs) (laughs) well i mean you could it's possible that by the end of the season we're going to have an entire episode that is taking back winterfell that includes uh littlefinger's army the wildlings Jon snow and 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 uh and uh sansa and potentially even the Lannisters. <laughs> that would be interesting if it comes down to that. Maybe even this season, and then in in the in uh, 
the east, you've got the Ironborn thread now headed back toward uh, toward Daenerys. Daenerys herself is headed back there with her dragons and her Dothraki. So things are, are coalescing into just a few uh, bigger groups of people, which is really interesting. Yeah. And then there's King's Landing, which is totally messed up and what? who knows what's going to happen there what is sansa's goal right now does she still feel like they can overthrow the lannisters or tommy baratheon her, her immediate goal is just to get winterfell back i don't know that we've seen any hints that she wants to go south and take over i think she's just right now really really focused on um I'm getting the boltons out and In having her case, revenge i yeah. think her correct play if she gets to river run while jamie's army is there is to find jamie and say Hi, that was all a huge misunderstanding. The Starks swore fealty to the Lannisters. Can we borrow a few thousand people? Hmm. I don't know. That that's a that's kind of a tough sell. But because uh, you've got, I feel like you got the Red Wedding to deal with, right? That's the thing that's standing in everyone's way. Is yeah. is all you know? And and I don't know how you get. I don't know how you get past that. But ultimately, the game. Yeah. What, what you really? Well, how, how do you get past it? Well, the the you, the White Walkers are how always, you get past it. That's the only you can way. Past always it. start over. A man once told me, "You can always start over, Jason." <laughs> it's never too late. I've Ian heard that. Shane was right. Hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. It's gonna. It's not that it can't be done. It's just that it's gonna be a tough sell. You you get the sense that either the Lannisters are gonna be on the run because uh, of what's happening in King's Landing, and that will change the equation, um, or the impending invasion by the Night King and all the dead people is going to focus everyone a little bit more. But we've got three more episodes to go, and at the rate that they're paying off story here. Whew, there's going to be a lot more to come in the next yeah. few. Mm-hmm. So overall, yeah, I was almost out of breath at the end of this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was packed. It was packed with stuff. Oh. I was shocked that they got rid of Ian McShane so quickly. He's Ian I McShane. Was sad. That was that was a bummer. I got spoiled on that. I, I there was an interview with him where he said, "Yeah, I'm only in one episode. It was fine." And I was like, "Oh, okay." And so then I'm watching and I'm thinking, "Well, you know, he's not going to make that, it." Was that the revelation that? People's reaction to it led him to describe the entire show entertainingly. I don't know. Because he is on record, and you may want to get give me a time code in case you're going to cut this part. He did dismissively say, whatever, it's all just tits and dragons. Yeah. No, I'm leaving that in, Monty. That was <laughs> great. Right. Good. Yeah. It's a pretty accurate uh, I mean, description yeah. of, in some yeah. ways. Well, last week was we the dragons. One of the, so. Yeah, we had one of the two key elements in this episode. <laughs> yeah, indeed, we did. Indeed, we did. And last week was dragons, so you know you got yeah. We got it all. Yeah. All the bases are covered. Overall, I you know I've been I, I'm still liking this season, and I enjoyed this episode a lot. I I, uh, I feel like they, you know, we're in a build up phase again now. We did we had a few episodes where there was a lot of payoff, and now I feel like they, there's still some things paying off, but also now there's some more furniture being moved and placed in places for you know big big clashes to come in the next few weeks. So, but yeah. I, I liked it. I don't want to get into the preview, the uh, next week on segment, but it looks like things are going to start really happening. Yeah, which is you great. You guys in the U.S., you get you get next week on, you get behind the scenes making ofs. I'm I so jealous. The behind the scenes making ofs are not great. Yeah. But but still, you get them. Yeah. No, we we did a little marathon of those when Stephen and Erica were down here. Just mm-hmm. and now all we did was yeah. make them jealous. I think is what. So happened. basically, we just need to come back and visit you again, Jason. At yeah, the end of the season you know, so we can see them all. That's that's right. We got them. We, I got them. I got them streaming. They're available, or just cross the border. Just uh, you know, go there to Montana, go. And <laughs> check in to a to a travel lodge, and <laughs> get, get dial up the HBO, and you'll you'll be good. All right, well, so uh, seven down, three more to go. How about that? Ooh. It's going by fast. It is. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but yeah, but enjoyable. Well, thanks. Thanks for being on, uh, on, our, uh, on, on the podcast, Erica. Thanks for coming back. Uh, it's sad that you're not here in person, but I'm glad that you could I be know. back on. <laughs> it's, it's, this is the first time I've talked about this show with you, not in person. I but, know. Uh, but still, it was still very fun, and I just want to close by saying, Leanna Mormont for president. Yes. Yeah. And that's uh, Leanna also is great because that harkens back to, uh, who, to Leanna, who we, who we uh, you know, have theories about, the Leanna Stark. Mm. So mm. I thought that was, a, that was a fun little tidbit, too. Just keep, keep echoing that name. Maybe we'll, we'll yes. see something with it. Uh, or maybe Bran will see something in a vision. <laughs> mm-hmm. Something like that. And Monty, pleasure as always. 
to talk Game of Thrones with you. It's a pleasure, Jason. All right, thanks to everybody out there for listening. We hope we didn't get any names of characters wrong or forget when things happened in what episode. That happens sometimes. We don't have the encyclopedic knowledge. Uh, but uh, we do enjoy the show and, and have seen every episode, we swear. Uh, we'll see you next week for episode eight of Game of Thrones Season 6. Until then, bye, everybody. Bye.